welcome to the Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 15th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 13th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that I have to admit something for you. The next couple podcasts, I'm going to have to record early here in September. I'm getting married here in the middle of the month, and with being married and then going on a short little honeymoon, as you can imagine, that means that I need to kind of be able to take a couple weeks away. And it's been something actually I've been thinking about with this is I have never taken a week off since starting this nearly three years ago. So this period of time that I'm going to get probably a couple weeks ahead here is probably the furthest ahead I've been in the podcast ever. And two, it'll be the first time in I can't remember almost how long that I won't be in the booth on a week-to-week basis making a podcast. And this has kind of been something I've been purposely doing for a long time. I purposely try keeping it semi-close to when the scriptures come out for the reason of news coming out and trying to make it so that it's still somewhat relatable and how current events can still somewhat be in, especially as science is part of current events also, that there might be new science that comes out. And so it kind of helps influence then how we're talking about it, but also influences our way of how are we looking at things at that time in that place and to be able to bring science into that so that hopefully we're hitting a little bit more of the conscious of what multiple people are thinking about with this text at the same time is hopefully all happening. So, That's giving a little bit of background on what's been going on with me, and I'm really excited about getting married and all that comes with that, but it also means that I need to get a few weeks ahead here. So if you feel like maybe there's a little bit of not connecting as much and maybe there's some major news event, please give a little forgiveness. I'll make sure to make some statement on when I get back here into the booth after having a few weeks here of getting ahead. So... Before we jump into this week's text, we have to look back to last week's text, especially with what we'll be getting into this week. And last week's Twitter question was, during this pandemic, how much have you listened to people? And during this pandemic, have you been listening to what God has to say? And I got a really interesting response this week, which in a way kind of answers both questions. And it was in this response back from a loyal listener that this famous quote of, a wise man once said nothing. And I can feel like there's times where I'm wanting God to say something and I feel like God's saying nothing. I feel like there's a lot of insight also in that text where it's that I'm talking too much and I can't hear what God is saying. And sometimes it's vice versa. When I'm talking with people, I am so worried about what I have to say that I don't actually listen and how that really makes things difficult. It makes my life more difficult. And when we're looking at these texts and thinking about this, especially this week, I think it really plays super well with who we are as human beings. So often we think we have all these answers And oftentimes, we really don't. And a lot of times with figuring out answers, we need to listen and process more than we need to actually speak. So 
Let's jump into the text this week. The gospel text is out of Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And the reason, again, that I'm starting with the gospel this week is it really does set the tone for these texts. But I have to say, again, this last week that we have Romans really throws a little bit of a curveball in there on how we look at these texts. So we have to kind of start there. So Peter comes to Jesus and is asking, if we have a member who sins against the church, remember we were talking about pulling people aside last week and being able to talk about our sins. If So if we have someone who sins against the church, how much should we forgive them? And Peter suggests seven times. And Jesus says to him, not seven times, but 77 times. And then he gives this account, this parable of a king who has slaves. And this slave comes to him who is owing 10,000 talents, which is a large sum of money, and he can't pay it. And so he gets down on his knees and is pleading, just give me patience and I will pay you everything. And out of the pity, the king forgives the debt. So this same slave now, you know, feeling uplifted in that, runs across another slave who owes him 100 denarii, which is a very, very small amount and seizes him by the throat and pay me what you owe me and gets him to be thrown in prison. So the king then hears this and then talks to the slave on why should I forgive your debt if you can't forgive this pitily small debt? So he has him over to be tortured till he pays his debt. And Jesus ends the parable with, So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So again, this idea of how we have to be okay with forgiving and how we can't just hold on to this. This is something that we are continuing to work on. And we'll get into a little bit more of that a little bit later. The first reading this week is from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 21. And if you weren't following a few weeks ago when we were going through the alternative first reading with Genesis, again, this is a very odd place to be dropping in, but let's just do a quick catch up. Joseph has this quote that his brothers are jealous of. Joseph gets essentially tricked and thrown into slavery. He then rises through the ranks after going through some turmoil to become one of the Pharaoh's right-hand men. The land is going through this major drought, which Joseph was able to predict, and his brothers come with their father to him saying, we need food, and they're scared because they recognize who he is. Joseph forgives them, welcomes them back wholeheartedly. So in chapter 50, we get this point of that Joseph's dad has now died. And so the brothers are afraid. They're scared. And they're worried that now because the father is out of the way that now he's going to take vengeance. Essentially, Joseph says, why would I do that? Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Coming from verse 19, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So flipping the narrative around on how because of this event, we were able to help my people more than if I wasn't in this position. So he flips the whole narrative around and reassures them that I'm not taking vengeance on you. I'm seeing how God has continued to work through this. 
The alternative first reading is Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 31. This kind of picks up with where we were last week. So we've had the Passover and the killing of Pharaoh's firstborn son. He lets the people go. The people then are marching. And like Pharaoh kind of does, he kind of reverts and decides to send Egyptians after him. Moses and with the people are getting a little concerned because they come to the Red Sea. Moses is told to put his hands over it. They make these pillars of water where the Israelites pass through. And then when the Egyptians get there, the seas close back up on them and it destroys these people. And so this idea of following God, trusting God, holding fast to that, then has brought all of this back together. The psalm this week is Psalm 103, optionally verses 1 through 7, which I would highly recommend if you are doing the alternative first reading, and then 8 through 13. And this is this idea of how God continues to provide for his people. And the reason that I say if you read the alternative first reading is there is a verse referencing how Moses acted with the people of Israel bringing them out of Egypt. But that this gets into a lot of these lines we're so accustomed to hearing. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Coming from verse 8, he will deal according to our sins and does not repay. This idea of this loving God coming from verse 11. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion to those who fear him. So this idea of understanding that we are in a loving relationship with God, but we also realize the power of what God can still do and how we are not in control. So there's this point of still having fear toward that. The second reading is from Romans chapter 14 verses 1 through 12. This is the last week that we are in Romans before moving on, but it's an interesting one. And this is kind of the one where I feel like, again, we're getting this switch. So Paul kind of goes through and is talking about how we are so quick to judge. We are so quick to make observations and try putting people into different places, right? And from that, we then don't understand that maybe in what we're doing, we're trying to honor God and what they're doing, they are trying to honor God. So one of them that comes through in this is coming from verse six, those who observe the day, observe it in the honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in the honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. Well, those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. So this idea of how often we are quick to judge and we don't necessarily fully understand what is all going on and that we shouldn't be rising up against each other. We should be trying to work together to understand these things so we can better understand this love that God has, that all of us are doing the best that we can to show love to God. So, before we jump into how we bring faith and science together this week, we have to do our shameless plug. Boom! 
Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I love checking out Working Preacher and being able to hear from multiple biblical scholars, not only in their commentaries, but also in their Working Preacher podcast, along with the multiple other discussions and the great resources that are just there. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. This is a doozy. Talking about being forgiving of one another, this idea of when do we let things go? And yet then we have Paul reminding us here in Romans how part of that forgiveness is understanding that we don't necessarily understand what the other person is doing. And so then by living and loving and working with them, that maybe we then start to see that and understand that. We see that in the Genesis text, how the brothers assume that now because their father is gone, that Joseph is going to take this built-up vengeance out against them. And it doesn't happen. And how we have God reminding how he's going to continue to provide as long as we continue to work with him in this. But I think a really good question to have is why are we to forgive so much? Why are we just supposed to let this stuff go when we know that it causes pain? Yes, Christ died for our sins and because of that we're striving for this. But then why should we be so quick to forgive? I think partially this is Jesus telling us that our human construction with that part of us isn't that great. Let me explain. We as humans are born to recognize things. And one of the biggest things that we recognize is faces. Most of us are very good at recognizing faces of people. And in recognizing faces of people, we can tell who individuals are. We can help understand emotions. We can use it to communicate We can use it to figure out what they're actually looking at at any moment. And it's quite interesting because all these processes within our brain, the light comes in, the photons of light come in, go into our retina, go into our obsidian cortex, and then go into multiple different parts of the brain depending on what we're doing. Infrotemporal cortex, the fuciform face area, which is used to like configure different parts of the face. So being able to understand and recognize the face, the octipinal face area, which recognizes the parts of the face or the superior temporal sulcus, which helps us to understand emotion. And what's crazy about this is how fast that our body and mind are able to process all this stuff, that even the most advanced computers that we have still struggle with being able to recognize face recognition. This is important to us, right? Because this is a major part of how our memory works, right? We're able to associate people with different memories and bring things together. So let's think about how our memory works. We Typically, like with this type of podcast, as I'm talking to you, we're talking about implicit memory. So these are experiences that we consciously know or declare, like that I'm going to tell you science is declaring something or declaring one's faith is an implicit memory. 
It's within us, and it's something that we have to consciously flip on. And so when we're doing that, our brain is having to take whatever the memory is. Say we're at the Louvre in France, and we're looking at a picture of the Mona Lisa. We're going to take that memory, and we're going to take it from our sensory memory, put it into our working short-term memory, which then goes into our long-term memory. And then when we get back from our vacation and we're talking to people about it, we then are recalling it from the long-term memory into our working short-term memory of that experience. But like many things in our bodies, this is not perfectly done. Just like we've talked about in the past how our bodies have problems with duplicating DNA perfectly every single time, we do a very good job, but not a perfect job. Our memory is very similar. You see, our memory isn't like a filing cabinet and it's all sequentially perfectly organized like your library. It's more like a web and that we have all these associating things coming together. So we have to have retentinal clues to help us associate these different memories. And sometimes some of our memories even can be context dependent. And that that's why when we're in a location and we're sitting in our bedroom and it's like, oh, I need to go and get something. And you go somewhere else and you end up talking to somebody. And by the time you get to the place that you knew you needed to go, you're like, what was I trying to get? What was I trying to remember? And you go back to your bedroom and then realize, oh, Yeah, that's what I was going to go get. And so now you got to go back to where you were. That's context-dependent memory. And we have state-dependent that our emotions or our state can serve as a clue to help us recall these memories. But we have flaws in this. How many of you have forgotten when you go to the grocery store your list to what you were going to buy. And if you had gone through it, you probably remember then in the store what was at the beginning of the list, at the end of the list, which is serial position effect and how we lose these things at the middle. That we have recall mechanisms helping us with the beginning and the end, but we really kind of struggle with the middle. Part of all this, when we're thinking about memory, is that we can fail in encoding the memory. And in any moment, we fail to encode memory. As I'm sitting here right now and thinking about and consciously speaking into a microphone, I'm not being able to remember every part of my surroundings around me perfectly. Because there's so much that's coming in all at once, your body just isn't meant to retain all that information. It's just a lot of noise. It's why with any type of data file, there's a lot of compression files. So like taking the difference between a raw file with photography, which is a bigger file and there's more there, compared to a JPEG where you're compressing data to save space. Our mind is doing the same thing. In retrieving the memory, we can have interference where things from our past is interfering with us being able to get new information or our new information is interfering with us being able to recall the past. So example would be you change your password at work and 
every time you end up using your old password and then have to remember your new password. Or if you're learning a new language and your new language is interfering with a similar language and it makes it harder to recall the similar language, like the love languages of Spanish and French and Italian, how they're similar. The final way that we can have problems is storage decay, where naturally over time, the further we get from an event, the less that we're able to perfectly remember it. And there is a spot where it kind of levels off. But initially, right after an event, you're able to recall all this stuff that days later you can't. And what happens with that is then we start having the misinformation effect where we start putting, trying to naturally fill in our own gaps by putting in information that we think should be there. And this then can also lead to us when we're looking at things and placing someone in a situation that they weren't actually there. This misinformation then can affect multiple different aspects and include even us putting different things in and out of our memories that weren't actually there. So when we're thinking about and trying to recall memories, emotion, the retelling of it, suggestions from outside sources, the passing of times, and other factors affect our memory. It means that we really have, all of us, faulty memories. It's amazing how much our brain does work, but we aren't amazing at keeping all of it there. We all are losing memories. Why do I bring this up with this text, though? And the reason that I think there is a point where Jesus is talking to Peter about forgiving is that we aren't good at remembering all this stuff. And just because you remember that you have a gripe against somebody doesn't necessarily mean that they do. Or maybe that both of you do, but the details start fading away. That's part of what love does, is the loving aspect of us allows us to start seeing that person differently, more with open arms than fists clenched. It allows us to continue to see the evolution of a person and how they continue to grow and change and move forward instead of holding them in our memory as this, even if they've continued to evolve. Because I know I'm a different person now than when I first started this podcast. And I've listened back to some of my older podcasts and I've listened how over time this has evolved. So my memory on how to do this podcast has changed. When we are trying to hold on to what we are remembering of things, it doesn't allow us to grow. It doesn't allow us to see the love around us. I honestly think that Jesus is telling us, you got to keep forgiving because you guys are terrible at remembering this stuff. We didn't design you to remember everything perfectly. We designed you to love. That's where when you then get that first text out of Genesis, And how Joseph then is saying, like, I love you. I understand how you are worried about this, but I'm not God. That's not my role. My role is not to remember everything that you have done, every sin that you have done. My job is to love you. You think about the Israelites and as they cross the Red Sea, do they remember all the plagues and the hardships of Egypt? Yeah, but they also saw how God continued to provide through the promises that had been passed down. 
And that's why we bless God. And that's where then when we spend time discussing and working together, we start to understand how maybe our memories are different of things. Maybe we look at things slightly differently, but it all helps us see how God works within us. It's amazing. It's beautiful. We don't need to be so vindictive of each other. And if you think about when we hold on to these grudges, and we've talked about fear before, but how that affects our body. And now we're seeing in when we talked about today that emotions can affect our own memory. We weren't meant to hold on to this stuff because even our brain doesn't hold on to it. If you think about our human experience and how much we enjoy taking pictures or video of these different places that we go to help be cues for us to remember that time because we're terrible at remembering. Yeah, part of it's to share and to show and part of it is also to be memory cues for us. We have to recognize and realize that that's part of our experience, part of what we are continuing to deal with on a day-to-day basis. We are not great at remembering. So why should we forgive? Because forgiving is part of that process, part of letting it go, part of letting us to continue to evolve and move into the people that God has called us to be and to continue to see us as loving people. The Twitter question I have for you this week is where do you need to let go so that you can see growth? Where do you need to let go so you can see growth? Forgiving and part of that forgiving process is letting go of things so that we can see growth. That's why I feel last week Jesus pulls them aside so that we can make amends to let go of things. And even Jesus, as he was talking to them, if they can't accept that, then you look at them as a Gentile or as a tax collector. You let it go. You let it go and move forward. You can still remember it, but still forgive. Forgive and allow for growth. Forgive and open your eyes again to be able to see how things have changed. By not forgiving, by holding on to that, we aren't allowing ourselves to move. And as we look at creation around us, it never sits still. As we are entering this fall season in the Northern Hemisphere, we are seeing things disappear. We are watching bird species disappear. We are watching leaves start to change. We have to remember that we are the same way. And if we can't forgive, it doesn't allow us to move forward and continue to grow. And as we looked at this week, our own memory doesn't allow us to remember everything perfectly. So let us let go and move forward and grow in love together. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.